0: Do your customers want you to do things you know should not be done? Do some locksmiths really know how to act with customers? How do you handle the 415 on Friday customers? On this episode of the podcast by locksmiths for locksmiths, we discuss customer relations. I'm Tim Coleman and joining me today are Tyler J. Thomas and Jeff Moss. This is The Three Tumplers. service is a significant part of every industry in our country, from fast food to clothing retail, auto mechanics, cell phone providers, and yes, even locksmiths. But what do you do when a customer can't have it their way? Are you just going to install that double-cylinder deadbolt and have them sign a waiver at the end? Are you asking, what waiver? Or do you have them pay up front for the 2017 Nissan Road Key? Maybe they want to buy that $395.47 asylum lever set that has sat on your back shelf for the past 10 years. The wins and whys of telling a customer no are just as important as any, if not every, other skill we possess as locksmiths. You know, a lot of times we'll get customers to come in and say, you know, yes, I want this deadbolt where you have a key on both sides because it's on a door with a glass window. Well, that's a double cylinder deadbolt. You have to have a key on the inside to exit the door. The whole goal of life safety is free egress. You know, in North Carolina, most of the building codes don't care about securing entry into the building. In fact, none of them do really, but they all care about egress from the building because if your house catches on fire, You have to be able to get out in a hurry. And customers who have double cylinder deadbolts, at least me personally, I always say, hey, no, you can't do that. There there are other areas in logsmithing where customers will want you to uh, install a system or do something. And you have to tell them no because of what the existing conditions are. You know, whether the door's all fucked up And you can't put an access control system on it or whether they're wanting, you know, badge in, badge out from a specific room that doesn't have an emergency means of egress. The the issue is communicating with our customers and saying, you know, this this is why we can't do this and educating your customers. Tyler, in your line of work, you know, your business model, your what are the times that you have to explain to a customer why they can't do what they want to?
1: Namely, life safety, like you said, which I kind of enjoy because I can point to something tangible, something legal, something lawful and say, I'm not doing it. So I, it supports me and it doesn't make me seem to be like the bad guy. I can just point to it and say, I'm not touching it. Here's why. And I'm fortunate that it's there. Uh, other times when it's a little bit, they more of a gray area, stuff that's not explicitly defined. Uh, you know, you have to you have to go on somewhere like uh, Lori Green's blog or website, and then you know, again, it's not codified per se, but you've got an authority speaking on the on the on the topic, so it helps. But no, I, I love life safety codes uh, because oftentimes they can get you out of a jam. Any more than they can protect a customer, and you can say, "Hey, we're not doing this because we don't feel comfortable, but also because it's against the law." So I'm all for life safety codes.
0: Right, right, exactly. But for, to further that out, if somebody wants an impossible system, you know, key system or whatever, or or some is might not be impossible, but you just don't want to fucking do it. You know, or it's not practical to do it the way that they want to. In other words, uh, an example I can think of is there was a nursing home that approached us a while back to do a master key system, and they wanted every single cylinder interior to be a different change key and have one master for all of them. I mean, is that something that you encounter? Not that specifically,
1: but similar things, similar oddball requests. And I guess one of the best lessons I've learned in this industry is just having the the balls to say, no, I don't want to do that. I don't feel comfortable with it. When you're trying to starting out or just trying to learn customer service in general, you want to appease everybody. You want to make everybody happy. You want to do everything, be everything to everyone. But the maturity and wisdom comes along one day where you just finally say, no, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Or no, that's not a good idea. Whether you disagree with me or not, I'm not doing it.
2: Right. I, yeah. A lot of what we get is residential stuff where they want it. Uh, I had one the other day. It's a, it was a, a rental through the housing, you know, like a section eight thing cannot have a, they will not allow you to have any double cylinder deadbolts period. If it's your own house, you can do whatever you want. We have, I've had daycares and stuff like that where they want to put an, a. Uh, uh, deadbolt on a door with a panic bar where there's an exit sign I'm not you know we're not putting our name on that um, that there was a uh, something a few weeks a week or two ago a guy came in the door was just it it had that jimmy proof lock the the door and frame just none of it looked right yeah, we could have gone out there and took a look at it. You know, he was saying that cost was no object. He wanted card access because it was 2022 and it should be electronic. And that's what he wanted. And we politely declined. Sometimes it's just, you can sense that you're not gonna make that customer happy. And, you know, your thing about, I don't know if that Nissan Rogue thing was just for shits and giggles, but there are there are vehicles that, we just say, no, we can't do It's not worth, it may work. It may brick the car. I'll tell my boss, Hey, I just read that. There's a problem with this. So if somebody brings one in, we probably shouldn't do it.
0: Exactly. And and it wasn't just for shits and giggles on the Nissan road, because our standing policy is if somebody comes in or calls and says, Hey, can you make a key for a Nissan road? We tell them no. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, our, our, Automatic is to ask, make, model, and year of the vehicle, and then do that. But I actually had, uh, like, four or five months ago, a lady called in. She said, can you make keys for cars? And I said, well, it depends. What's the year, make, and model? And she said it was, like, a 2016 or 2017, 18 Nissan Rogue. And I said, no, ma'am, I'm sorry, we can't. And I said, the reason why, and I went into the reason why, that yeah. all of our programmers, you know, we have Auto ProPad, we have an Autel, we have like two or three others. I'm not familiar with them. I don't like auto. I don't learn yeah. auto. I don't touch it. Oh. And all of them say, the one thing I do know is all of them say, a Nissan Rogue, you have a 50-50 chance of breaking the car and i explained all that to her in a nice way and she's like that is so great that you explained that to me and she was very very thankful and she said because i've called two other locksmiths in the area and they both just said nope i won't do it and then they hung up and she's like you know yeah the, there was somebody else and and i know the locksmith and the people in my shop know the locksmith as well you know he was just kind of very very short with her and she was very appreciative of me saying you know this is why we don't do it and i think that kind of goes back to my original point which is yes it's very important to tell the customer no but also let them know why we're saying no
2: i mean it. I would agree. That's a, that's a good customer service. I'm And I would never just say no and hang up on them, but I would say, no, unfortunately that's dealer only. You know, we just, we can't do that particular year and model, you know, somebody comes in, you know, they call, do you make car keys? And then, te- you know, and you have to extract the information from them as to what it actually is. You know, somebody called yesterday. I was on the, I was doing something else and my coworker said, can you pick up the phone? They need a price on a Dodge push start. Well, what they actually wanted was a remote start installed on a car that has push start. We don't do that, you know. It was either lost in translation or not not asked properly. But like, we don't install remote starts in cars. We do factory remotes. If your car has X R remote, you know, I had one yesterday. They get they had an aftermarket remote start. It was a used car. They bought an additional fob, uh, a Chrysler fob. They said, they said, well, my remote start work, if you hit the button three times, if you hit lock three times, it starts. I'm like, I don't know. We don't do those. They bought the key. The other guy programmed it. I don't know if it worked or not, but I'm like, we we have no way of knowing that. He's like, okay, I'm willing to take the risk. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and Jeff, I don't know how your shop does it, but what we do is for customer supplied keys you know, a customer will come in and say, hey, I bought these two keys off of eBay or Amazon and they say it's exactly what it is for my car and we tell them upfront, okay, we will duplicate the, the cuts in your key and we will attempt to program it. However, we can make no guarantees that it will work and also for cutting the physical key, if there's any steel in it, we don't do it. Like we do the magnet test and we explain that to them and say, hey, if this magnet sticks to your key blank, we're not touching it. You know, do you guys have something similar to that? Well,
2: so when I started, we wouldn't cut, we would cut it, but we didn't have the ability to program anything because we only had a cloner. So we'll do it. We won't guarantee anything that we don't provide. I'll check the key with a magnet real quick. I mean, we've cut steel some of the weird silka blanks for like some of the old motorcycles or foreign car keys are steel. And we will copy those very slowly. But if it was a high security key that was steel, I would just say that we couldn't cut it. You know, but we don't and we don't guarantee anything that's customer supplied. They have to pay if it works, whether it works or not. And sometimes they'll just buy our key.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's that's what we try to do. Tyler, in your business, you know, obviously you're a little bit different you're not going to have customers bringing you customer supplied blanks i i i assume maybe incorrectly you know if somebody comes to you and uh, I, I mean what i guess what i'm asking is what do you encounter that's similar to this because i know you don't do automotive but you know what do you encounter that's similar to this Well, I I should get a picture for you. We do have a a kind
1: of a disclaimer at the front desk. The only thing that we've got kind of mirroring what some of you have said so far, uh, as far as rules for customer supplied blanks, broken keys, guarantees, so on, and so forth. Analogous to what you're saying in our business model, we get people bringing in Medeco blanks at least once a week, not bringing in, but calling or emailing uh, that obviously aren't ours. And going back to liability, customer relations, telling people the full story, we say, hey, look, we're bound by a contract. We cannot touch anything that we did not issue. You know, the only exception are when we get authorized from the factory and we say, Hey, look, you gotta go to the manu uh, the dealer on the back of the key, their numbers oftentimes there. If they're out of business or non-responsive, you've got to go to Medeco, but we can't touch it. And like Jeff said, or or no, it was you with the, the Nissan Rogue, uh, customers are very appreciative that you're saying or explaining why you can't do what you can't do, but at least guide them in the direction where they may be able to find the solution. It's not as black and white as what you're saying with the Nissan Rogue, but if I can say, hey, look, you got to go to this dealer. If they're not responsive, if they're not in business anymore, go to Medico. Medico will steer them in the right direction. Nope. No. Exactly. Okay.
0: Like my boss, he bought out it was another locksmith shop who got who was a medico dealer, got bought bought out by a second one. They went out of business. He bought them out. And so we've got two different company names that we can go under that we service for Medeco. You know, when somebody brings in You know, a multi-lock, you know, multi-lock 206 keyway, that's common. I'm assuming maybe again incorrectly, but the multi-lock 206 keyway is pretty common. And if somebody brings me one of those keys and says, hey, can you copy this? And I look at it and it doesn't have our shop phone number on there. I say, no, I can't. And here's the reason why. So I think customer education will not only generate an appreciative customer for you, but it, it could generate revenue in the future. Yeah, you might lose money on that particular sale, but they might come back to you because you spent the time to say, hey, this is why I can't do what I want.
2: So with Tyler, now here's the fr- first, somebody comes in with Medeco, we don't work, You know, we can switch it out. But if you had somebody that was on one of your key ways, you could offer to just rekey it and issue them new keys, right?
0: Well, yeah. Um, it, if, like for us, if somebody's an existing customer and we have their, you know, their chart, their pinning, their signature card, whatever, all their documentation, and they want it rekey, then yes, we can. But if they're not one of our existing customers in our files, uh-huh. we tell them, okay. Either you go back to, you know, like Tyler said, either you go back to the shop that originally did this. If they're out of business or they don't want to touch it, then you go to Medeco if you want to keep those keys. Otherwise we can sell you our cylinders, our Medeco keys. Yes, you'll have to pay more, but we'll repin it and recut your keys. Because
2: we switch people over to our Primus all the time when we're not selling them all new locks. You change the finger pins and bam, it's your key. We can't copy. Yeah, I guess. Even if somebody else had this. Yeah. I mean, if say somebody had that. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) We're combating. Uh, No. Yeah. Well, the Medico version would just be a switch into your keyway, which would just be changing out the plug. Uh, As far as I know, that didn't violate the contract. I've never done it. But um, in a situation like you're describing, yeah, that's what we would.
2: Right. If I came in with (laughs) a cylinder. With a key from somebody else, you could just throw that key away and cut new keys on your same keyway because you carry that keyway. You know, that's really no different than what we're doing with the Primus. Uh, number one, I'd be concerned that somebody in Georgia has it
1: uh, or our particular keyway because of the level that we buy in. And we'd hope we get some exclusivity, at least in the state. I know we do for biaxial. Right. Well,
2: it was a bad example, whatever. But you get but, yeah, it.
1: Yeah. If they brought it in and it was our keyway or a keyway we had access to, that kind of gets into a gray area in that with Biaxial, we're an LSC, and before that, RBA. The agreement, I don't know if it was codified in the contract, and you know, I've been in dispute with them for the past six months about contracts. It was kind of a gentleman's handshake agreement that if you didn't touch it, if you didn't service it to begin with, if you didn't sell it, you don't touch it. So I, I'm going to keep that going, uh-huh. unless the person that did sell it to him says, "Hey, look, uh, we don't want to deal with this anymore." And then they can grant us authorization. They, we do that with people like Brink, uh-huh. um, other other suppliers. I did one. I don't. I don't even know if the other business anymore. But some company out of Washington the other day, I had to see a authorization letter. But yeah, if you give us authorization, we'll copy Medico on it. Everything's good to go. We'll touch it. Mm-hmm. But not until then. This, this has really gotten off into a, a bizarre yeah. tangent, but
0: yeah, <laughs> this, this really has because. It, and just to stay on this tangent for just a second before I steer it back around, Jeff, you your shop and and the shop I work for, we have we share a restricted keyway. We've talked about it before, and it's really really funny. I mean, my boss thinks that it's hilarious that we have the same keyway. We're, I guess, geographically just far apart that, yeah. you I mean, know, we don't have to worry about it. But, you know, right. if you need blanks for that keyway for that particular cylinder, then and we are lucky enough to have some uh, or vice versa, we could help each other out. But if I, I don't know
2: what. Yeah, but I don't know what the agreements say. The code, the keys have. a a specific number on them your key doesn't have my number and my key doesn't have your number
0: so exactly so i mean so so there's identifiers in there and so to try to steer this back onto the tracks you know there are a lot of considerations that we have as locksmiths both from life safety codes uh contracts keyways restricted keyways etc That we need to be able to communicate with our customers because the person holding the key and saying, Hey, I just bought this business. Can you come in and change the locks? We need to be able to say, No, we can't. And this is why we can't. Or, Yes, we can, but you're going to have to buy all new hardware. And being able to explain that to them, you know, could it, it can evolve into a profitable long-term relationship with that customer and it will uphold your reputation and you can keep your contracts with whatever, you know, provider, manufacturer that you have, but it's important to let your customer know. Yeah. I don't know
2: that I would give them all the ins and outs. They just want to know how we can solve the problem. Exactly. So we would say that's not our primus key, but we can switch it over to ours. This is what it's going to cost. Or we could put standard locks in, and this is what it's going to cost. You
0: know, yes. they, don't,
2: they don't care the ins and outs and all the all the different I,
0: restrictions. I'm actually going to disagree with you a little bit because some customers, on occasion, do want to know why. But for the most part, yes, I agree with you, Tyler. What what do you have to say to close this out? I was just going to compliment you how damn well you brought it full circle. That was very nicely. I've I've been known to steer a train wreck or two in my life. All right,
1: coming Uh, up. Y'all nailed it. Y'all nailed it. Uh, We're bound by more than just law. sometimes, uh, ethics, contracts, all that. You know, just relay that. That that, that goes a mile. All right,
0: so to bring this back around and head us on to the next block, coming up, the pitfalls of not having immediate peer review. Stay tuned for more of the three tumblers.
1: Who is your biggest fan? Some of us might answer our family or our best friend. But when it comes to our profession, who are our biggest fans? Obviously, it would be the people we work with as well as our peers. But what if we only work with ourselves? Wouldn't that be kind of like liking your own social media posts? Lots of locksmiths work by themselves and without peer pressure or critique. So what are the pitfalls that they're subjecting themselves to as it relates to customer relations? So here's something I've long noticed with customer relations as it relates to one man shows. And I don't want to piss off the one man shows because I understand that a lot of it is profitable and it's, it's, it's doing well for them, but they can kind of find themselves in echo chambers because they're not working with other people and they don't necessarily get the critiques. They don't get the other opinions. They just see themselves and, it's working obviously because they're still in business but just because it's working doesn't mean it's the right way to be doing things now i'm not talking about all one man shows i've just noticed in some of these groups that one man shows some one man shows a very small percentage have a kind of take it or leave it attitude like uh you know if you don't like it you know go kick rocks fuck off but that's not the best way to do things per se unless warranted i guess but Sometimes, like I said, they kind of get this downward spiral where they're successful, they're paying their bills, they're making things work. And since they've continued to do that, everything they've done up to that point must be the right way, which can include customer relations, subpar customer relations. So both of us, all of us work with other people. Jeff, you're unique in that you have a side business, access control, de- data, networking related. You're by yourself. Well, How just, do you keep yourself in- ch-
2: Well, just just to be clear, I do not do access control. That would compete with my employer. I do computer repair, mostly for people that I already know. Okay, But very similar to ClearStar and things like that, there's forums where I can ask other people, hey, have you run into this problem with this phone system or I'm having trouble- connecting this wireless network or will this work for my customer? But that's all been more so one-on-one. Like, hey, I keep in touch with this teacher of mine from 15 years ago who does consulting. Where the locksmith thing is there's, you know, you know, you have your local associations, you have ALOA, you have all the, you have more ways for people, you know, the small guys and the big guys to all kind of collaborate. And you—you've seen. We're not going to name names. We've
1: experienced what I've talked about on, well, I won't say where, but various forums and social media where certain one-man shows, their solutions are very abrasive. And well, well people,
2: well, yeah. Well, that's simple. So the one thing is you need to pay a business coach a shitload of money. And, <laughs> and number two is you just have to do everything that they say even though they're in a totally different market. Yeah. I read a lot of this stuff and it's like, okay, great. That works for you, but that's not, those are not absolutes. You know, just because you don't have employees now you've had them before, you know, you found a way to make it work for you. Great. You're, you know, we have, you know, that's not how the place that I work operates. We have, you know, 12 people there, you know, we're not driving around waiting for somebody to call, that they're locked out of their house. We're usually out doing commercial service calls. And when somebody calls, we might have somebody around to go let you into your house, but we might not. And so you, I think when you get to be, obviously when you're at a size where you have, you know, we might have one or two guys dedicated on an installation for a week, you can pick and choose the jobs you don't, you want and don't want to do. So oftentimes when you're, you know, a handyman, an electrician, a plumber, whatever it is on your own, you're probably going to take any call that comes in if it's something that you are able to do. So, you know, you don't have somebody to help you, you're not going to be doing a big job. um, Because it's just not feasible. You know, if I'm doing a side job, you know, I can have a buddy help if I need an extra set of hands for half a day, you know, running wire or something, I, I do have, people that can help. But on the whole, those type of jobs are few and far between because it's just not, you know, I'm not geared for that. And I don't, you know, you know, if I was doing that, if those kind of jobs were coming to me, it wouldn't be a side, it wouldn't be side work. It would be, you know, like when I was home for summer break and I had two months to do a wiring job and I was there every day, you know, that's different than, uh, you know, a couple hours after work you know, if I got to run one wire in a house or something, I can do that by myself. But yeah, I, I think that that's where, you know, and, and to segue a little bit is the locksmiths now seem to be a little bit more willing to help other locksmiths than they were in the past. You know, you would... You so the walk- help is
0: there
1: and it, it's up to them to take the initiative to I mean, understand at, a different perspective.
2: Yeah, I mean, at one time, if you if you worked for locksmith B... A, and you were walk, walked into another locksmith shop here in Cleveland or probably anywhere and wanted to buy something, they would just they would sell it to you at full retail and not help you because you know that's your competition. Um, I think now that guys are retiring, dying, getting smaller bus- you, know, you know, the smaller businesses are going away. You know, we're there's some shops if our guys in an area and they need something, the guy's like, yeah, please come behind the counter and make it yourself, you know, whatever you need. And then if he's in our area, if he might need a cylinder, here you go, you know, bring me one the next time. But it didn't always, it was not always like that. And I'm sure it was like that in other industries. I remember when I was trying to learn computer stuff, there were some people, some of the, like the tech guys at my high school, you know, I'm just a kid wanting to learn the business. I'm not trying to take your job or anything. Uh, I'm just trying to learn. And they treated you like you were, you know, like your job is to, you know, you're there for the students and the staff and everything. It, it, I don't know. It's just, it, it, even like the locksmiths at my college, like traditionally nobody would ever be allowed in there. So for, for the fact that I was ever allowed in their locksmith shop is to me, that's like huge because <laughs> very few people ever were. Tim, you've never, well, I won't say never, but you're probably not
1: on some of the groups that Jeff and I are, or have, been. have you encountered or at least seen, what we're discussing here as far as some one man shows can fall into that downward spiral where they're cantankerous and how they oh, treat yeah.
0: either customers or other locksmiths. Yep. And, and I'm, I'm going to follow our rules and not name any names, but yes, I have seen that. Uh, I've seen some locksmiths through social media that they believe their way is, the best way, the only way. Uh, I've seen others who are like, hey, let's share this knowledge. And I've seen some who are a a weird combination of the two. And going to trade shows and association meetings, everybody's, the the best way that I can describe locksmiths is they're kind of like cats. You know, cats are secretive by nature, but they're social, antisocial. And so I think everybody wants to try to get together and some of them do get together, but others hiss and claw at each other and, and run away. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's a perfect analogy for locksmiths. Um, and, and I am the resident expert on cats amongst the three of us. So I can say that, but you know, we have had logsmiths come in our shop and one of them I remember came in not too long after I first started. And he was needing help with the hobby lock. Well, hoppy, you know, residential multi-point locking systems, they're complex. I don't like them. I don't like to touch them. That's for my coworker, uh, who she knows them, she knows how to deal with them and how to work with them. And that's that's great. That's her one of her specialties but I don't like it. When we get another logsmith to come in and say, Hey, I have this job. This is what I need to do. Then we try to help them. If they order parts through us, we also try to help them through that, but we're not a charity. You know, we're not going to, we're not set up as a, a logsmith charity at all. And, You know, and and then there's another locksmith in our area that worked for the shop I worked for for a decade. And then he went out on his own and we help him out. You know, he talks to my boss all the time, asking questions and and whatnot. I mean, he's very knowledgeable, can do quite a lot. But when he runs up on something, he'll call his old boss, which is my boss now. Uh, But when, you know when it comes to parts, we'll work with them. And I think it's all about how you relate with other locksmiths. You know, if you're the the cat-like secretive by nature type, then all of a sudden you appear on in my storefront wanting something, whatever that might be, then. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your capabilities are. And I don't want my name associated with what you may or may not be doing. So you're going to pay full retail price. Uh, I had a situation exactly like that about three and a half weeks ago. And, you know, the guy came in and said, oh, yeah, I'm a locksmith. I need these cylinders rekeyed. And it was, but he's like, I have the master key for the building. And I'm like, no, you don't, because we hold the master key chart on that building. You're not getting a new change key just coming in here. You go through your property management. And because we work with that property management company all the time. And so I said, you know, hey, what wound up working out is I said, I'll sell you seven blanks. What you do with them after that is on you. And I sold them to a at full retail price. So that's kind of my, my theory on it. Well, I would just say
1: that success and customer service can be mutually exclusive. Uh, it doesn't have to be indicative that your success is based on customer service, customer relations, so it doesn't necessarily have to be an affront to you when somebody says, why the hell did you do that? Versus, Hey, okay, you've got a good perspective and maybe I should have done it that way. Have you ever encountered, not necessarily with locksmithing, but other trades maybe that you've been a customer of a one man show where you either got good or bad customer service?
0: I can't really think of it. Uh, Cause I, I, Broke. (laughs) And so I tried to do a lot of stuff myself um, as far as that. But yes, in the times that I can think of, I have appreciated, I guess, specifically in the auto mechanic section, I have appreciated auto mechanics that have said, hey, this is what you need. This is what's wrong. This is what it takes to fix it. This is what you need. And this is what I would do if your car were mine. And I really, really do appreciate that. I appreciate the time that somebody takes to say, hey, you know, to explain everything to me instead of just doing it and then charging me three times as much as what I originally sort of figured and they sort of figured or I appreciate that more than a mechanic taking a look at my car and saying, Nope, not going to do it. And then they turn around and walk away from.
2: It. Oh, for sure. I mean, and I have a good independent shop that I have my car worked on at and they always take good care of me. You know, we've had the same HVAC guy forever. He turned his business over to somebody else. He does a great job too. You know, sometimes you feel like you're getting a run around with other companies and you know, had to have some appliance worked on It took two or three times to get it fixed. And, you know. Gentlemen, do we have any final thoughts before we wrap things up on this segment?
0: I think that if you are in business for yourself, the best way that you can improve that business is to network and communicate with others in the same business, whether it's locksmithing or not. Just communicate and exchange information and see how others in your profession do it. It's not revealing your secrets. It's not giving away your jobs. But peer review is always at least somewhat beneficial. Yeah,
1: and if if you're going to go on social media or any of these forums and explain your experience, uh, don't be a dickhead about it when somebody has a differing opinion because you're the one that brought it out obviously for discussion otherwise you just want somebody to pat you on the back you know it's not it's not a circle jerk so if you're gonna put yourself out there at least be receptive to other opinions is that i think that's fair huh
2: yeah i mean and for a lot of people it is a circle jerk or patting themselves on the back or you know and it gets old after a while
1: yeah well I, i guess what i'm mainly saying is uh when somebody says something you don't want to hear, they'll be an asshole about it. Is yep. that fair? That's fair.
0: Listen to your critique, you know? <laughs> be humble. Exactly. Be humble and be patient. All right, when we
1: come back, how many times a day do you have to say, yes, we make keys? Or how do you deal with it without even going insane? Or even worse, going out of a job? Stay tuned.
2: into the storefront of our shop they oftentimes need something simple such as a copy of a kw1 or sc1 but on frequent occasions i need something a little unusual like a mailbox lock key a weird corbin Rustwin key or something that's on a restricted keyword in any case being the front counter person of a locksmith shop is diverse and can be challenging at times when it comes to explaining specific issues to customers so i've been doing this for for five years i'm in the shop 99% of the time I deal with everything from do you make keys to yes, my car is red to people bringing the whole door into the shop on multiple occasions, just a whole menagerie of different problems and different things. And, you know, you like to say that nothing surprises you. I find a different way of somebody breaking something or a a part failing just about every day. So I know Tyler has worked in shops in past, and and Tim is more in the field now. You know, you just have to be professional. You know, they're coming to you for your expertise. When somebody says, "Do you make keys?" I say, "All day." You know, not gonna say, "Yeah." What do you think? Of course we do. Are you? You know, you don't want to make the customer feel stupid. You know, a lot of times, pictures make your job a million times easier so if you have them come back or email you pictures so you can figure out exactly what they need because most people want an exact price and if you can't give them an exact price because you can't see it the more information that i have to do my job can help me help you if that makes sense
1: um if somebody brings a door into my business whatever work they need done it's getting done for free because that's damn hilarious
2: well I mean, go, I mean, I can think of multi, multiple occasions. People bring in the iron security doors to change the locks out. Had a guy bring a, a guy from a hotel, brought one of their doors in, thinking we could change the the card swipe lock on the door, not being in the frame and stuff. Ended up that we went out there. The, the whole bottom of the door had been like rotted away from insects chewing it. It was, they needed to get a whole new door. But just some of this stuff is just like, we had one where they brought in a lock because they didn't. It was a Schlage ND lever. They couldn't figure out how to get it off the door, so they brought the took a solid wood door and brought it in the shop so we could get the lock off the door to rekey it or whatever. I had one. I showed you that picture a couple of weeks ago where they had a trilogy that they needed rekeyed or recoded. So they just sawzalled around the trilogy. It's now uh made into a little display stand for me. Yeah, I mean it's you know we don't do the in-depth car stuff like they did back in the day. Um, so there's a lot, you know, people aren't towing their cars to us, hopefully. Um, so we don't have to deal with that kind of stuff, but it it's just, you know, the shop has been around a very long time. We have a good reputation. You're not going to please everybody, but you try to, you know, sometimes it's a 30 second fix. Sometimes they do, you know, when, when somebody comes in and says, I want my locks changed. Most of the time, what they really need is they just want them rekeyed. They don't need new hardware. If they're dead set on getting new hardware, I mean we'll sell them what they want, but we don't we also don't want to be, you know, just take, you know, selling people things unnecessarily. So it, it, it's a it's a fine line. You know, if the stuff is worn out, I will recommend uh, a guy had brought in a piece of shit, zinc die cast cylinder, a mortise cylinder, the bat, the cam was missing, all the parts were missing. Like you need a new cylinder. Like I'm not even going to work on it. And then he said, "Why? Why did you say there's a better cylinder?" I said, "Well, and just like feel the difference, you know." I like heated up to his key, and he's, "Oh, okay." <laughs> you know, and it, that was a, that's a case of I'm not going to replace. I'm not going to put junk back in after it already failed. Um,
0: exactly. I mean, even, sorry, but at, at, we get customers like that too who will bring us you know, a junk lock, you know, it's just shitty from the get-go. And they'll want us to do X, Y, and Z with it. And we're like, no, you can't do that. Or we'll get somebody to bring something in and say, hey, can you make a key for this? Sometimes the best answer we can give them is let us take a look at it and see what we can figure out. And we'll give you a call, you know, drop it off with us. We'll see. And I mean, we we have people also bring in every lock off of their house all at the same time, leaving their entire house unsecure. They bring it all into us and say, Hey, we need these all changed. And it's like, like you said, you know, okay, do you need new hardware? Are these broken? Blah, blah, blah. No, we just need a new key for it. Okay, so you just need them all rekeyed. And We're so backed up that we say, okay, it'll be tomorrow before we can do it. And they're like, what? And we're like, yeah, (laughs) you know, there's four of us here and three are on the road and, you know, one's managing the office and the business. We can't drop everything that we have right now just to rekey these, you know, 10 cylinders. Right. Like, be a while.
2: Yeah. And like what happened yesterday, 4.15 on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve Eve, lady brings in four new locks right from Home Depot, wants them, needs them re-keyed, master keyed on her system. And we were like, look, we, you know, it's 4.15, we close at five sharp, we'll do our best to get them done. And we got them done. And I, I said, the other people that were around helped because normally there's not five people in the shop, but it's a day before a holiday. So we had extra people sitting around, but it's not the first time this person has done that. And it's frustrating because they think that the work customers that think, that you know, we're going to drop everything for a $50 sale, you know um, people, you know, like you said, if you want to pay for basically immediate service, we can come to you and this is what it costs. If you want to take your stuff off and wait, for half a day and leave them with us, it's going to cost a lot less, but you will have to wait. And if people can't accept that, <laughs> you know, those are the options. So it's, it, it can be frustrating at times for sure, because you want exactly. to- Exactly. I mean,
0: one of our largest corporate customers that we have, their guy that works with us who deals with it on their end most, you know, most of the time, He'll come in early, early in the morning because he knows that he can catch me or my boss in the shop before we actually officially open. And he'll say, you know, hey, I need these three cylinders keyed up to this key on our chart. We go pull the chart and we pin the cylinders and he's like, yeah, I need three extra copies of that key. So we cut that key, we engrave it, you know, and we set it out there. And, you know, that's that's 100 bucks sometimes. You know, a a minimum of about 80 for all that, knowing that customer, because he comes in before we head out on the road, then we can get it done. And he knows that we're there early. So I think our customers knowing us is equally as important as us knowing our customers.
2: Right. And it's not that the work itself takes a long time. It's that we have customers coming in and out all day. And we get busy and, you know, the work gets interrupted. And if I tell somebody an hour, that gives me the leeway that it may, the work may actually only take 15 minutes, but we need time to do other things, answer the phone and go to the bathroom. And, you know, there's, there's just a lot, you know, I've learned quickly that if you tell somebody it's 10 minutes, it comes back to bite you. And that has happened to me, <laughs> you know, a few. It happens. You tell somebody to, you know, we, we don't really like people waiting for rekey stuff because you just don't, you know, if you come in and you need your keys made, sure, have a seat, we'll make them and you'll be on your way. But anything else like that is just, it takes time. You don't like to get be rushed. I don't know that, it, you know, and that's when you make mistakes and
0: that's when you... Yeah, exactly. Or you get somebody who brings something in and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do this in in 10 minutes. That's what you're saying in your brain. But you turn around, you tell the customer, say, okay, I can have this done for you in about two hours because you're going to have, especially in our situation, four of us. And if one of us is out, that means that somebody's off the road somewhere most of the time and you know if two of us are out that means one in the shop one on the road yeah there have been days that I've been the only one working and so yes I know that I can get this done in 15 minutes but can I get it done in 15 minutes with the phones ringing with emails that I need to reply to yeah no just just say hey this is going to take us a little bit. I mean, I think you know maybe Tyler might have it a little easier since he's got that nice leather chair in his office.
1: Yeah, we don't have any walk-in traffic, so it makes it a lot easier. But sounds like what you're describing, both of you are describing, is the restaurant at ten thirty that closes at eleven and has to seat a party of four, thinking they're going to get the full meal. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't happen every time, but sometimes I guess. In the essence of good customer service, you just have to bite the bullet. It's a pain in the ass. I've been there. I will be there again. But you know what?
2: Can you do right? You know, would the would the boss rather you turn whether you lose a sale or stay five more minutes?
1: Well, well, lose a sale and then potentially spurn somebody that's going to go talk about it on Google or social media and saying, "Oh, these shitheads. They yeah. say they close at five, but they didn't want to take work at four So
2: I get it. Right, but and it's hard because it's not the first time it's happened with this same customer, and I kind of want to be like to my boss, how do you want to handle this? You know, but that's a different.
0: And that no, kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier: learn how to say no to these customers. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing it at four thirty. Would have been better if you brought it in at three thirty. Right. I, I I can remember recently in the past month at least three times where i've said you know if you'd if you would have called us two hours ago we could have made this happen when you need it but we're that busy
2: and you know it you know it's a good thing that we're that busy because you know
0: oh yeah busy is
1: always a good problem to have yeah
0: yeah it's better like our shop we give away typically every single day we give away between four and 10 jobs Mm -hmm. a day and we stay rolling and our bills are paid. You refer, do you refer them? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, there's several locksmiths, like a lot of the automotive stuff we refer out, but also lockouts, um, stuff like access control. Uh, we don't, really refer out but uh safes we refer out or at the very least if we have a safe customer call in if they need it. our general rule is if the safe is locked and shut and they can't get it open and they need it open tonight we refer it if the safe is giving them troubles then okay we can get you in in the next day or two that is sort of our safe thing because I'm the on the road safe guy and I'm still learning so well that's a good roundabout way and
1: stag way and all that uh customer relations sometimes you don't get the job but you refer them or send them on the way so they get taken care of uh and and keep them in a good spot even though you're not making the money on it so hey exactly
0: We, we actually had like uh just before Christmas uh one guy that we refer a lot to he's it's a one-man show, like you talked about, Tyler, very similar to what you talked about, Tyler, and what we talked about offline about your block. <laughs> and uh, but he he does well at his job, and we send him probably two to three jobs a day, at least, because he used to work for the shop I work for, and he's he's good technically, and so we send people to him. They need help right away when we can't do
1: it. Well, that's good, too, because it satisfies two things. Number one, you're satisfying customer relations. You're helping somebody get their problem taken care of. And then number two, you're supporting a peer by sending business their way, which we do a lot of. Uh But I think that's that's the best thing about one of the best things about this industry is uh, we can't be everything to everyone at every time. But if you can help them and a brother or a sister along the way, you can't beat that shit.
2: Yeah, but do you have a gator outside of a football stadium to unlock people's cars?
1: No, I just pay them twenty five thousand a year for season tickets. So.
2: <laughs> well, I think we've all this <laughs> we've uh, pretty much all had this, had similar experiences, and uh, makes me feel like I'm not alone with some of the stuff that we that goes on on a day-to-day basis different industries similar problems you know when I worked at the hardware store people would always be bringing in weird stuff and you know they always want generally want the cheapest way to do it and then they come back in six times in the same day for the same project and so did you guys have any spare parts show up this week we sure did and we'll be back in a minute to share them with you
0: All right, now's the time when we get home, empty our pockets, and find a combination of lint, random keys, and screws that might not have anything at all to do with the job. Jeff, what spare part do you have this week?
2: I sent you the picture of the Leaning Tower of Panic Bars. Um, There were about 50 Panic Bars sitting in our back room uh, waiting to be installed. So that's going to be a fun job for somebody.
0: We, We call them exit devices. In the, in the in the installer's world.
2: What do I know? I'm just the shop guy.
0: <laughs> and you're an excellent shop guy. Well, thank you. Tyler, what fell out of your pocket this week? Not shit, but
1: it's my nine year anniversary today and the Georgia Bulldogs play for a chance at the national championship tonight. I didn't go to UGA. I went to a school that was founded by their rival, Georgia Tech. Uh, but it's still cool to see somebody in the state win because uh, we're just full of a bunch of winners down here. So that's it.
0: That's awesome. Congratulations on your anniversary. I sure okay. My parents' anniversary actually is like December, I think. 18th or 19th and they've been married since 1979 so yeah congratulations
1: well we we decided on uh december 31 for a few reasons number one new Year's eve so you can celebrate with everybody number two i wouldn't have to remember some obscure date for our anniversary so i can never fuck it up but number three we've learned recently that uh New Year's Eve is amateur night. You don't want to be out on the road, so we can't celebrate anymore beyond our own house. You just, so,
2: you just, I learned that in college. How old are you, you should have, that everybody knows that.
1: Hey, listen, butthead, I was 26 when I got married. I didn't know the world.
0: Right. I'll never be married. All right, so my spare part, the owner of a six-month-old German Shepherd did not have the proper documents when he arrived at San Francisco International Airport back in August, and he opted to leave the dog behind. The CDC said that they were concerned about the validity of the owner's documents and would not allow it to enter the country. The dog would have to be euthanized upon returning to China, its home country, or put down locally. However, fortunately, the pilot and airline staff came together of United Airlines. They came together and rallied around him and got him to quarantine for a long time, made some deals with the CDC. And after, uh, I believe it was... About two or three months of quarantine, he was released and a United Airlines pilot actually adopted him. So that is a great end of the story for a German Shepherd pup that otherwise would have met an untimely end. Very happy to hear
1: And if that story had ended the way it did or into an untimely end, I would fucking never come on this podcast again because I have a German Shepherd and And a great dog.
0: Uh, That's kind of why I chose this as my spare parts today, Todd.
1: Well, I'm glad it ended happy because I was on the hook at the first half and I was like, "Uh uh-uh, this ain't going where I think it is.
0: (laughs) Well, you've squandered another 45 minutes or hour or whatever of your life listening to our podcast podcast for which we are very grateful. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast, and also on YouTube if you search it. Our executive producer is the tall Tyler Thomas. Technical producer is the lovely Jeff Moss. I am your editor and writer, Tim Coleman. Our customer- Handsome Tim Coleman. Handsome Tim Coleman. Our customer care representative is Kurt Reply. Our audience estimator is Adam Million. And our chief legal counsel is Hugh Lewis Dewey of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Otherwise known around our online reviews as Dewey Louie, Dewey.
2: Shitter's full. Go sports.
0: Stay out of trouble. We'll see y'all next time. This has been a free Tumblr's production. Season one, episode four. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Find this episode and others wherever you listen to podcasts.